The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. What a year it's been for the Royal Canadian Artillery Band, located right here in Edmonton. Um, you'll remember earlier this summer, the video, of the, the performance outside of Buckingham Palace. That is what uh, you just heard, part of what you just heard. I mean, between Hockey Night in Canada and Great Big C, they were having a, a lot of fun there. Also spent some time at Vimy for the 100th this year in Arras, France, um, entertaining uh, folks there as well. Another big concert coming up this Friday in Chedville, it's free. And if you want to see a top-notch band, then you need to see this at the Windspear. I'd like to welcome to the show Bombardier, Jamie Henderson, who is with the band. Jamie, thanks for joining us. Oh, no problem. I'm really happy to be here today. Now, tell us uh, a little bit, you know, the history of this band. If, you know, off the top of your head, I'm going to put you on the spot, (laughs) but you're in the band, so you should know this. Because it does have uh, quite a great history going back uh, for some time. Yeah, so the band, it's it's the oldest regular force band in the Canadian military. Uh, It's been kind of in operation continuously since about 1899. Wow, wow. And uh, it's moved around quite a bit. It's We've been in Edmonton since, since 1998. Yeah. We were in Montreal before that and Halifax and all over the country. So, you know, some people would probably, listening, be going, why does the Army need a band? What would you say to that? Well, there are a lot of reasons why we have music in the military. Uh, music is a very important part of military ceremonies. You know, it really builds a spirit de corps. Uh, yeah. My French is bad, excuse me. A spirit me. de corps, yeah. Yeah, that, that's what I'm looking for. And, uh, you know, raises morale of troops. Mm-hmm. It helps them be a more effective fighting force. And it also, you know, it allows us to relate to the community in a more understandable way for a lot of people. Yeah, I th- yeah, I think so. So how does one end up in the band? I mean, you're a soldier, you're, yes. you're a soldier, but you play the clarinet. Well, for me personally, my experience, uh, you know, I did an undergraduate degree in music and I did a master's degree degree in music and then it was kind of a now what do I do and the military is a really great option for musicians Uh, it's a really great job you get to play a lot Mm -hmm. you do a lot of other stuff too but that's all really interesting Uh, and for me you know it was I was really really happy to get this job full-time it's a really difficult job to get yeah Uh, and actually the military is hiring musicians right now interesting okay we have openings now do you have to go through basic training oh yes (laughs) uh, you know it's before you're a musician in the military you're a soldier in the military and until you're done basic training, you're just a soldier. You don't have a trade yet. So how long can you stay in the band for? Oh, until retirement age. Really? Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. So that's interesting because I was wondering, oh, say, do you give up playing and then go back into the... <laughs> no. No, no. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a musician. I'm trained as a musician before I was in the military. That's... And then you get kind of the army factor in addition. You talk about... Um, kind of bridging the gap between um, the forces and the community. And I've seen you do that numerous times. And as I mentioned off the top, what a year for you guys yeah. playing outside of Buckingham Palace. Give us an idea about what that was like, why you were there, and um, the reception you received. Okay, so this year, uh, 
the Queen, through her, you know, through her people, invited the Canadian military to provide troops to do the changing of the guard, mm-hmm. which is, as you know, very important in British culture and in Canadian culture too, by you know, by way of the monarchy. And uh, we've done this a few times in the past with troops, but. It, to my understanding, we're the first band that has been able to go do it. And it's a very cool, you know, to march down the street in front of the troops and the people are lining the streets. Mm-hmm. And you get to go in the forecourt of Buckingham Palace where most people don't get to go. No. And it's actually, it's gravel in there. So you march <laughs> around on the gravel and it's it's very, very cool. It must have been quite the honor to be there. Oh yeah, it was it was really excellent. And so when, when, um, when um, uh, Captain Embry said to you, hey, we're going to play the Hockey Night in Canada song. Did you go, are you sure about that, dude? Oh, no, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, we were there to represent Canada and, you know, that's how, what better way to represent Canada than to play things like Hockey Night in Canada. Uh, the way it works there, you do some military marches to go in and out, but when you're in the forecourt, you play kind of incidental music mm-hmm. and all of our incidental music was Canadian content. Yeah, and I heard that and again, I mentioned Great Big C. Alan yeah. Doyle just on the sh- on, on with Ryan, uh, I think last week, uh, he's got this new book out. And, and listening to the comments of the folks who were videotaping it, they were just, they, that it really struck them. It, it really hit home with them. They really enjoyed it. Great. That's excellent to hear. <laughs> now, uh, you were also at the Vimy, the 100th um, ceremonies at Vimy Ridge. Yes. That must have been very powerful. Uh, yes, that was quite an experience. Uh, I went there as a member of a youth marching band from Calgary, you know, in 2001, and it was the first time I'd been to the site, and it was kind of overwhelming mm-hmm. to be there and to be able to go for the 100th anniversary of the battle is just even more so, mm-hmm. you know, because you can really feel the history. And you Were you can, playing for the official ceremony? Yes, we, we played as a part of the official Veterans Affairs wow. ceremony on the day. So it's very cool. Yeah, that would have been probably tough to keep some emotions yes. together. Absolutely. During all of that, and then outside of that, I know you were you were performing in all sorts of different locations in France and Arras. And yes, we played a, a little kind of evening concert in Arras, and we were there with the the band of the Royal Twenty Second Regiment, mm-hmm. you know, out of Valcartier. Mm-hmm. Play as a mass band, and it Beautiful. was kind of cool, you know, to really sell Canadian culture, both English and French, at the same time. Well, one of my favorite events of the entire year is coming up this Friday, and I'm really happy to, to be emceeing it uh, once again. I think I missed last year. But the annual Christmas concert put on by the Royal Canadian Artillery Band is happening this Friday at the Windspear Centre, which is just an amazing venue for music. Uh, tell, And it's free. Yeah, Chedville, free. it's free. If you want to get in the mood, the Christmas mood, and bring the kids, because kids under three are welcome to this. Absolutely. Um, uh, join us on Friday. So tell the listeners about uh, about the show. So this this concert that we do every year, uh, we do it in support of the Military Family Resource Center. So uh, the MFRC will be there, and they welcome donations, but it is a free concert. Mm-hmm. You know, you come, and you get to go in for free, and you can sit wherever you like, and there's not a bad seat in that no. house and uh everywhere in there it sounds amazing mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, uh we presented in association with edmonton salutes mm-hmm. so they they help us pull off the concert every year and we really appreciate that support so 7 30 start time 7 30 p.m and now if people are wondering okay i'm going to bring the kids and the one thing i love you know when i've been there before is the kids are in their in their christmas finest they get dressed up and i know if i remember correctly i think santa gets on stage uh well we we do have a you know i every year we have a kind of a children themed mm-hmm. piece of music and mm-hmm. this year it's the night before christmas which is perfect so we'll be inviting 
children to come up on mm-hmm. stage to sit and have Sergeant Kenneth Pierce <laughs> tell the story with the band. Yeah, the big voice man. That's okay, right. it's 313. Uh, Bombardier Jamie Henderson joining me from the Royal Canadian Artillery Band. What else do people need to know about uh, about Friday night uh, and about the work that you guys are doing? You guys are so busy right now. It's oh, Christmas yeah. concert season. It's very busy. So today I'm here on the radio mm-hmm. and Captain Embry couldn't be here because he's busy conducting the rest of the band yeah. in a concert while five of our members are on their way to CFB Wainwright to play for the troops. Yeah, so just kind of all over the place yeah, right now. Yeah, it's a very busy week. Uh, but, you know, we want you to show up and just enjoy our concert on Friday. Come early so you get a good seat. The doors open at 7 o'clock. It's going to be a variety of music. It's not just the full band. It's... Uh, you know, the big band. Yeah, it's the big band, everyone. And bombardier Lucas Denneboom will be singing, and he's an excellent singer. Incredible voice. If you've been to the, the Butterdome uh, Remembrance Day service, you've heard him sing there for the past couple of years. Yes. Now, um, the RCA band has uh, a Facebook page. Yes, indeed. Uh, it's I believe it's facebook.com slash RCA band. Mm-hmm. And there's lots of great content up there right now. We have a video of Bombardier Denneboom singing yep. This Christmas. I think mm-hmm. you should really check it out. And there's a video of the full band playing a piece called Christmas Closer, so you kind of get a a look at what it's like to see the full band. Yeah, and a a little taste of what we'll see on Friday night. Again, the concert is free, and I'm going to tell you, you're not going to see many better bands um, than this one. You want to get into the Christmas mood? Join us on Friday, 7.30 at the Windspirit. Donation, please, if you'd like. Um, We'll be happy to take it. Again, any donations going to the Edmonton Garrison Military Family Resource Centre, which is such uh, a huge part of that basin is doing great work for our, our military families, uh, for folks who are about to deploy, for folks who have deployed, uh, for folks who are getting out of the business now and transitioning into civilian life, um, and kids under three, free, come on down. Free for everyone. Free yeah. for everyone. Thank you so much, uh, Jamie, and uh, I'll see you on Friday night. Thanks for taking the time. Thank you, Jalen. like to share my favorite text fail tweets from you guys. Here we go. This first one's from at rock at Brock. Yeah. He says, my parents texted me, are you near your phone? I texted no. They replied, okay, text me when you are. <laughs> this next one is from at Adam T. Jensen. He said, after a snowstorm, I meant to text my boss, hey, Ryan, I'm afraid I won't make it in today. Instead, I texted, hey, Ryan, I'm afraid. <laughs> Okay, dude. I appreciate your honesty, yeah, man. man. I appreciate it. Don't come in today, man. This one's from at I feel great. Oh, good. She says, reply to my dad with IDK. He said, what's IDK? I said, I don't know. He said, then why are you using it? And I go, because you said that, but I said that you... Who is on first? <laughs> this one's from at Tony Joe 621 He says... My mom's phone autocorrected GPS to God, so her message read, okay, God says we're 42 minutes away. It was 25 years ago yesterday, the first 
the world's first SMS text message was sent 25 years ago. Uh, the man who sent it was a fellow by the name of British, well, his, he was a British engineer. His name's Neil Papworth. He sent that message from a computer to a mobile phone belonging to uh, the then director of Vodafone, Richard Jarvis. And, and the message simply read, Merry Christmas, but Jarvis not able to reply because at that time it was not possible to send text messages from mobile phones only to receive them. So, Chedville, think about this. 25 years ago, that first text message sent. Think about where we are today. 25 years later with texting and how we communicate. How many of you would rather text than ever pick up the phone ever again? How many of you say, okay, you know what, I probably should call that person, but I'm just, I'm just going to text them. How has it changed the way that you communicate? I'm curious to know. I'll be honest with you. Uh, for the most part, I'm a texter. Um, I, I, when I look at the people in my life anymore that I actually pick up the phone to call, it would be my mom, my dad, uh, my mother-in-law, and my husband. Out of the four people, out of all the people in my life, there's probably four people that I will actually uh, phone. And I'm not even sure I could tell you their phone numbers off the top of my head. Do you text more or are you still using a phone? And you think about how it's changed and texting and the number of you who text into this show every single day. And you think about the way that we uh, communicate on, on Twitter, on social media, on Facebook. And sometimes I wonder if it's actually been a good thing. Of course, there are good parts to it. But I will say this, and I've said it a zillion times, and you've heard me say it a zillion time, times, the anonymity of texting often is uh, is not a good thing because people aren't held accountable and so when you look at at uh, you know you know bullying misinformation and, and texting has been a big big part of that don't you think um, texting I think has reduced or has has impacted the way that we communicate effectively. Um, we're making mistakes, um, tone, you can't read tone. Um, I, I think probably a, a number of fights have been started probably in your own world about things, uh, but caused by texting. So I, I found this, and Jim, I'll get to your phone call in here just a, uh, uh, in just a, sec a second. Worldwide texting stats. This is the latest from last year. So over one hundred, over five hundred and sixty billion texts are sent every month worldwide. Eighteen point seven billion texts are sent worldwide every day, not including app to app mes messaging. Not including app to app messaging. 22 billion texts are sent every day worldwide. Oh, no, that's a different one. That was an update. Um, text messaging is the most used data service in the world. More than 4.2 billion people text worldwide. Are you a texture or are you a phoner? Hi, Jim. Hey, how you doing, Jim? Good. What's going on? Well, you know, it's funny you, you raised this. <laughs> it, it, texting. Well, 
you know, when you're driving, never, of course. Mm-hmm. One of the best one of the best posters I ever saw was Crotch's Kill, and I thought that was so funny. Yeah, that was, a, that was a campaign put out by the Edmonton Police Service, what, a couple of years uh, ago? I thought that was just brilliant. It's up, it's up at the Army all over the place. I think it's brilliant. I, I, I really get a kick out of it. But, you know, the thing you said that I think is so, so true is, is you can't read tone in a text. Mm-hmm. So, so I think I, t- I have a tendency to phone more. I tend to be extremely, extremely... Um, uh, straightforward and blunt on a text, like here's the fact, and that's an almost, you know, a fair military writing, because I don't want the wrong idea coming out, mm-hmm. uh, because I said I said something on a text that that's not quite what I meant. Yeah, you know? absolutely, absolutely. And, and, and I've gotten in trouble with that. Oh, with yeah. People. Like, you, <laughs> like you mentioned that, I, I've, I've sent a text, and, and then the other one with texting that gets to me is this damn spell correct. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it's got you saying things you never meant. <laughs> oh, there has been there are a couple of texts that pop into my head. Some messages I sent to my husband, and he's just like, "What? What does this even mean?" Right? Like it it makes no sense, and and how how it picks the words that it's going to change for you. It's just bizarre. Oh yeah, well yeah. I sent one. I thought I worked with this. So I'll see you around six, and you know what it changed six to? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, no, no, no! <laughs> message, you know. Oh. Like, yeah, yeah, I just, I just think in human, humankind. I, I just think as. You know, all of us together. I just think it's it's impacted the way that we communicate. It's reducing communicating effectively. I believe. Oh, I believe that's absolutely true. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm. I, that's why I, I have to say I think I'm on the phone more than I text. Still. Good for you. Um, because I, I really believe that you should. I'm not saying I don't text. Of course I do, but not. I, I don't write paragraphs in text. I see people that write paragraphs. Oh yeah, text, like 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 stories, mm-hmm. and it's like just just pick up the phone. Yeah, yeah. You know, Jim. I'm always glad when you pick up the phone and call us. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Have a good day. Take it easy. Jim calling in at 4960063, but you can text us as well at 630630. So some stats about texting by age. Uh, 91% of teens with cell phones actively text. I think that's a little low. It should probably be, be about 99.9% of teens. About 50% of adults 18 to 24 say text conversations are just as meaningful as a phone call. Adults under 45 send and receive 85 or more texts every day on average. Are you sending 85 texts or more a day? The average consumer spends or sends three messages an hour, including app-to-app messaging. Adults 25 to 34 receive more than 2,200 texts a month. Adults 35 to 54 send and receive about 1,500 texts at mo- a month at 630, 630. Uh, I'm a phoner, says Rory, because Chad won't pick up the phone. <laughs> uh, from Lashburn, I think that's Sean, says the texting world notices when I take a day off. From high level, Jeremiah says texting is a lot less personal. You can say stuff you would never say in person. Oh, you're telling me, Jeremiah. Your hair would curl if you... Saw some of the texts that come in here every day. Um, you can actually have a conversation if you don't text. And then this one said, yeah, texting is taking away from face-to-face communication. Absolutely. And Sharon says, I hate talking on the phone. Texting is the best invention ever. Hey, I'm not, I'm not complaining about texting. I like texting. 
but I think we've become way too dependent on it and I am concerned about the impact it's having. I, I look at my niece and my nephew and how they communicate and how they communicate with other adults and I'm wondering about the nicety of texting and 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 about um, common courtesy and being kind to each other and and having a, a normal conversation face to face, one that you can see and read and and hear all of the emotions and everything that that person is saying. Anyway, 25 years ago yesterday, the first text message was sent. Good thing, bad thing. You let me know, Chedville. It is Monday and time for our weekly edition of The Hoot with senior economist from ATV Financial, Todd Hirsch. Hey, Todd. Hey, Jalen. How you doing? I'm doing really well. Now, How are you? Good. Just before we get to uh, today's topic, just before the break, we were talking about texting versus phone calls because it was what, 25 oh, yeah. years ago yesterday that the first text message was sent. Oh, really? Yeah. Are you a texter or are you a caller? Well, you know, I'm a texter now, but when texting first became popular, I didn't get it. I, I, <laughs> I remember thinking, why not just call the person and, and talk to them? Mm-hmm. But now I get it. it. There's so many things. You just need a quick little text. It doesn't require a whole conversation. Yeah. Like, I'll be there in five minutes. Exactly. You know? don't need to pick or up the phone running, to do that. Yeah. I'm running 20 minutes late. Those things is perfect for texting. So I actually do text more than, than call. They were saying that uh, on average, um, folks our age probably send about 85 text messages a day. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna have Is to that count. good or bad? I don't know. <laughs> At first, it seemed like a lot, but then part of me thought, oh, maybe not. <laughs> well, and it depends. Is that group text? Like if I send one text out to 10 people about, say, a, a birthday party I'm planning, yeah. does oh. that count as 10 texts? Probably. Yeah, probably so. does. But I just it's hard to believe. Time's flying. 25 yeah. years ago. Isn't that oh, something else? Geez, yeah. um, I know on a Friday, the November jobs report was released. And yeah. a bit of a, as you said, kind of a humdrum report for Alberta. The unemployment rate dropped by half a percentage point to 7.3%. That's the lowest it's been yeah. in nearly two years, uh, in about two years. But does that mean, you know, things are gaining traction? Well, this is exactly why I picked this topic for today because when that jobs report came out one of the headline things that gets reported is alberta's unemployment rate mm-hmm. falls to the lowest it's been and instantly i get these emails from people <laughs> who don't believe statistics canada is correct uh, because it sounds really good um, and they, and they're starting to lose faith in in our statistical agency and so i thought i'd take a deeper look at it and i think what what's happening here the unemployment rate can fall for two reasons okay. the one is the obvious good one mm-hmm. and that is jobs are being created and more people are finding jobs so they're no longer unemployed that's what we'd like to see what on the other hand though on the other hand it could be just the case that there's fewer people out there looking for work and, and they, for and different reasons too for different reasons they could give up because they're discouraged they could give up because they've decided to maybe go back to school or for more training, which could be positive, 
or worst of all, they could be leaving the province. And I suspect that we're seeing uh, a number of those things in Alberta right now. We are seeing a number of those things, yeah. So it's always one of those, for me, it's a caution when you hear one piece of, of information, like the unemployment rate falls to the lowest in two years. Always think, okay, well, what else is going on? Don't look at just that one piece of number and either discredit uh, the legitimacy of it, yeah. you know, thinking that Stats Canada is lying to us because that's what, those are the kinds of emails I'm getting these days. Oh, man. Yeah, I know. People are, are, are they're not feeling like things are improving, even though statistically, uh, by most measures, they are improving. But this drop in the unemployment rate, it's, it is being driven by two things. There are more jobs being created, not so many in November in, in Alberta. But the other factor that is going on is that the labor force is actually smaller than it was like mm-hmm. a year ago. Mm-hmm. So people are moving to other provinces. They are maybe uh, being discouraged. Um, the good news is, I mean, I'll put on my cold-hearted economist cap here for a minute. <laughs> and, you know, when I look at the national economy, like I'm an Alberta guy, so I'm, I'm most interested in what's happening in Alberta, and I want Alberta to do well. But I also am a Canadian, and when I look at labor mobility in the country, people moving from Mm -hmm. one region to the other, this is actually what we do want to see. We want people to move to where the jobs are. And traditionally, Alberta has been the net recipient of that. That's right. And we're very happy when people have to, you know, when they leave the East Coast, for example, and they move to Alberta, and, (laughs) and we welcome them, and we feel good about our economy. They feel lousy about it and on the East Coast. But now Alberta is in that situation where some people are saying, well, there might be jobs and maybe I need to go to B.C., Mm -hmm. maybe I need to go to Ontario. And that is hard for now Alberta because we're seeing, you know, friends and neighbours and relatives packing up and and leaving. But how many are on that out-migration pattern right now? Is it slowed down? Well, uh it's kind of been even for about the last seven quarters. In oh, other wow. words, as soon as the recession started, and now we have numbers out for the first half of 2017. We don't have Q3 out yet. But we have, very, we have seen a net outflow of people. In other words, more people leaving than coming here. But remarkably, it hasn't been all that strong. I, I describe it as a, a trickle of people leaving. Mm-hmm. But it is still people leaving. It is still a net outflow, mm-hmm. not not to the degree that we saw, for example, in the 80s or even in the 90s, certain recessions in the 1990s. And I know on, on this show, on the Hood, we've talked about net migration before. What we are seeing is it's been a fairly consistent trickle over the last uh, now almost two years. So we are seeing some people leaving. The labor force is smaller than it was a year ago. And that is, you know, that's helping push that unemployment rate down. So it's not all good news. No, and I just want to kind of circle back to something that you had said earlier about jobs being created and that statistically things, you know, are getting better, but a lot of people still aren't feeling that way at all. And I'm wondering, you talk about those jobs, if if part of that is that those jobs, those big paying jobs, aren't the ones yeah. that are being, you know, opened up again. Well, like People aren't going back thing. to the jobs that they had before. Yeah, that's right. And again, we can look at the statistics that Statistics Canada provides, which is just, it's a survey that they do. So it's not, you know, Stats Canada would say this too, it's not 100% accurate, it's a survey. So it provides the best guess we have as as to what's going on. It does show that there have been more full-time jobs than part-time jobs. Mm -hmm. But 
average weekly earnings, especially in the energy sector, are lower. Okay. Now, part of it is, oh, people would say, well, those good-paying jobs aren't coming back. Well, the uncomfortable reality or the, <laughs> what is it, the uh, inconvenient truth about yes. this is that wages were too high mm-hmm. in, in 2013. Mm-hmm. You know, and I don't want people now, listeners, emailing me, you know, blasting me, saying that, you know, I make so much money because I really don't. I don't make anywhere close to what people in the energy sector were making. Mm-hmm. But that was part of the problem is that compensation was way too high. Well, you can do that when oil's at $100 a barrel, but now you can't. So mm-hmm. the jobs that are coming back tend to be some lower paying jobs. Uh, they tend to be maybe some part-time jobs in the service sector, which isn't great. Mm-hmm. But the reality was maybe people were a bit overemployed and overpaid. Yeah. And now things are, are in, still in the process of recalibrating. You talk about that $100 barrel of oil. was uh, listening to uh, Eileen Bell delivering the market numbers every hour, as she does. And, you know, how we're sitting. I think we've been around the $57, $58 a yeah. barrel mark for quite some time now, for a couple of weeks, yeah. if, quite some time. But that's nice, <laughs> you know. And and I thought Stability to myself yeah. how, how strange it is that we're thinking, oh, close to 60 is good now. Yeah. Right? Well, it, it is all perspective, isn't it? Three years ago, we would have thought 60. Oh, that's yeah. a terrible price. Yeah. And now we're popping champagne if it hits 60. Um, was was interested, too, this last couple of days, like last Thursday, Friday, I think it dropped again uh, a bit today, but the Canadian dollar seemed to be on a bit of a run. Uh, which way? Up? Or, up or sorry, yeah, it was oh, kind up. of up a little bit, yeah. Yeah, and some of that, I think, well, on Friday, it was a very strong job report nationally. Okay, okay. So it was, it was kind of so-so here in Alberta, but nationally, it was a, it was a whopper number, especially Ontario. Mm-hmm. And it was, um, uh, you know, good quality jobs. And I think that, that caught the attention of the, the Bank of Canada. And I think now the expectation that the Bank of Canada is going to raise rates sooner in 2018 than later because that jobs report is a really important one that the Bank of Canada would watch. All right. Canada's unemployment rate, 5.9%. It's at the lowest it's been in 10 years. Wow, okay. Now, it's it's mostly Ontario and Quebec, and, you know, I can just hear the grumbling out here in Alberta already <laughs> about this, but it's mostly Ontario and Quebec. So I think that Canadian dollar was driven higher on okay. the on the expectation that the Bank of Canada might move sooner. Okay, so that, uh, again, the, the jobs report released on Friday. We looked at Alberta. Did it break it down to Edmonton and Calgary and how things are in each city? It, it did, and now Edmonton and Calgary are, they have the same unemployment rate, exactly both at 7.8%. 7.8. So you still see a concentration of unemployment. You know, provincially it's at 73 Okay. So in rural Alberta, if you take Edmonton and Calgary out, you know, that rural unemployment rate is is lower, probably around 6 or 6.5%. Mm-hmm. But my guess, what's happening there, especially in a lot of parts of rural Alberta, or, you know, the smaller towns and cities, if you lose your job, you might just gravitate to Edmonton and Calgary yeah. because you might have some support there. Okay. A buddy's couch to sleep on or Yeah, or whatnot. something. Well, something. The, the slow claw out of that, uh, you know, claw back from that recession continues. It does, and and I hope people don't get too discouraged by it. It is still going to take a while, although if things are moving in the right direction. Uh, this text just came in from Bonneville, um, Todd. It says, when your employment insurance runs out, are you still counted as looking for work? Absolutely, and that's a great question from Bonneville. So the EI report is another one that I'll watch very closely, 
And that one actually is not a survey. They know precisely how many employment insurance checks they're cutting each each month or each week. And if you run out of EI checks, you stop collecting it, and that's, that's the end of it. So you fall out of that number. However, if you're employed or not employed, uh, that's what the Labour Force Survey will pick up. Oh, okay. So, yeah, those EI uh, claims can drop, but it doesn't necessarily mean jobs are being created. All righty. Todd Hirsch with our weekly uh, report on the hoot. Thanks, Rob. Uh, Rob, who's Rob? Rob Roach. He was supposed <laughs> Rob, to do Rob it today. Rob will be back with you next week. Okay. Rob was supposed to be on today, but I'm filling his spot. So you'll have Rob next week. Then. Todd, always great to talk to you. Thanks for this. Have a great week. Thanks, Jalen. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Did you know there's an entire song about texting? It's amazing. Uh, sometimes when you when you Google things, that's the uh, Slumber Party Girls. The song is called Texting Song. Anyway, I wanted to circle back around to that conversation we were having before we uh, took a break there and talked to uh, Todd Hirsch from ATB Financial. Again, you can get a hold of me anytime at 630-630 or give me a call at 496-0063. 25 years ago yesterday... The first text message, the first SMS message was sent, and it simply said, Happy Christmas, Merry Christmas. And, uh, of course, we know how things have changed so much in those 25 years and how much we depend on it. And, you know, you talk about, you know, just texting as a way of communicating um, everywhere, business-wise, personal-wise, whatever it is. But you look at the other things that have come along with that as well, the rise of the emoji and how much fun we've had with emojis. And there's been controversies about why is there, not this skin, skin color of um, emoji. Why are there not redheaded emojis? All of that sort of thing. But yeah, the um, emoticons uh, introduced in Japan in the late 1990s. <laughs> and uh, according to this article, says gave another reason for horrified commentators to voice their displeasure at the inf- uh, infantilization of culture, of uh, dumbing down the culture, babying the culture. But again, those who embrace the emoji recognize that far from being reductive, it could add a richness to written communication that traditional language was unable to convey. And I bet you there's some of you out there who have actually sent entire messages just by using emojis. I know my husband and I every day, usually just before I go on air, I get a series of hearts from coach and you know then he gets a series of hearts back um and it's just one of the things that we have done over the past you know five seven years that that we've been together so i was asking you about whether or not you're a texter or whether you are um a phoner do you still rather pick up the phone as i mentioned before i i really only talk to four people on the phone my husband my mom-in-law and my parents other than that, it's all through texting, whether it's through uh, WhatsApp, talking to the kid in Tokyo, um, through the iPhone, talking to the kid living in Sherwood Park, maybe it's uh, FaceTime or um, you know Facebook. 
um, oftentimes using the video stuff. Uh, from Castlegar, BC, Keith texted in and said, Keith here, I'm 28. And I prefer face-to-face over anything. Texting has zero emotions or personality to it. And he's right. Uh, I think we should get back to handwriting letters. Hey, when was the last time you've done that? Are you still doing the Christmas cards? The last Christmas card I received was just kind of a, a generic newsletter to the friends, that sort of thing. I I love handwritten cards and am a massive proponent of handwritten thank you cards. I think, again, that is something that we've come so far, we've gotten so far away from. Um, A lot can be said by taking that time, 30 seconds, one minute, to to, uh, sit down and put those thoughts on a piece of paper. Uh, This one says it's all about uh, economics. Text messages are free, unlimited. Phone companies charge per minute. I also have a deaf friend. Texting has completely changed his life. Texting is vital. I sent my wife a picture of a puppy today. Um, From Fort McMurray, I try calling, but then I get a text back saying, hey, what's up? Isn't that the truth? How many of you have done that? Um, And then this one, 25 years later, it's so convenient to know that we need bread and sausages without speaking. Hi, Russell. What's on your mind? Hey, how's it going? Not bad. What's going on with you? It's all good. What you're just saying about the the bread or, you know, quick messages like that, I think texting is, is useful and handy that way. You know, you send out a quick little something that's mm-hmm. not important. But where I have issues with it is when emotions get involved. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and I don't, I don't know if you guys touched on it earlier today, maybe, but, you know, the tone and even how somebody reads something can be completely different. I remember years ago, uh, I sent an email out to two friends, consisted of one line that ended in a happy face. <laughs> okay. One person wrote back right away and said, sounds good. But a half hour later, I got a two-page reply from the other guy. Oh, my gosh. Pour into me. What? <laughs> so, this is supposed to show. I learned a quick lesson there three emails. That the mood somebody else is in and how they read Absolutely. and how they think you wrote something. Mm-hmm can totally change the context of it. Absolutely, Russell. Yeah, and we were talking about tone just briefly, but you are so right. And as I said, I think there's all sorts of uh, couples, parents, children, any kind of relation, work, that have had uh, massive fallout because of not understanding tone, because you can't read the tone uh, in a text message. Yeah, and quite often you'll put your own, right? So if you're in a, in a poor mood, you might read it in that tone and therefore yep. even get more pissed off. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. So Thanks. Yeah, great thing yeah, great thing for sending out the grocery list yeah. or uh <laughs> Or, or a quick I love you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or meet somebody after work, but that's about it. Thanks for the phone call, Russell. Take it easy. Thank you, too. All right, 357, a couple more of your texts from Vermillion. Dave says, would I be a hypocrite if I texted you to tell you I prefer to call rather than text? LOL. And texting is awesome. However, society's ability to spell has gone out the window. I love phone calls, too. I text almost every day, though. And uh, from Stony Plain, Ian in Stony Plain says, I'm a business executive, and I always take time to write handwritten thank you notes to my employees. The look on their faces and impact on their lives is totally worth it. I'll agree with you 100% on that one. Ian. The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad.